Well, hello there. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome to another episode of the Anxiety Wad Podcast. I'm your host, Corey. Thankful you're here listening once again. How are y'all doing? It's been a minute. I uh, keep myself busy working on my new side project. I, uh, I can't reveal what it is quite yet. Some of you know, um, have heard through the grapevine, um, but things are blossoming into something beautiful. So I will uh, let you guys know on that here very soon. Um, I do con- plan to continue the podcast, and it's probably going to continue at a every two weeks basis. And you know, if you guys got questions, please please send them in. It, it's much easier for me to create a podcast if you guys have some questions and topics you want to cover. Otherwise, I'm just kind of navigating on my own here and and um, offering information that I think you guys want. Um, but questions do help. And so today we actually did have a question, and I'll get to that here in a minute. Uh, what I'm going to talk about first is like. What is our main objective with our mental health and our anxiety? What are we trying to do? What are we, what's our goal? How uh, do we figure out how to heal? And, you know, if you look at someone like Kobe Bryant or a Michael Jordan or, you know, any of the, you know, the uh, Williams twins or sisters, excuse me, Serena and Venus, anybody that's really great at something. And I'm a sports guy, so that's why I use sports figures, but they dedicate everything that is within them to becoming great. Everything that they do is to improve on their craft. Everything that they involve themselves in is to become great at their craft. And when we want to heal, everything we do needs to be built towards that healing what we're doing right now and what I was doing for so long, it was building this habit of worrisome thinking. It was building this habit of survival. It's just the survival mode that we get into and we become unfortunately comfortable in that because it, because it does become a habit. You know, it's, it's, uh, when you're in it, it's hard to see it that way. And now that I'm out of it, I see it that way. And I'm not trying to discredit how you're feeling at all. I'm just, I'm stating the fact that our thinking becomes such a habit that it's second nature. It's, and I'll get into this a little bit more with the topic at hand, but think of it as a craft that you are trying to attain. Anything that you've done over the years, um, it's taken time. You know, whatever you've become over the years, it has taken time. And so I think that uh, the way that our information is delivered, um, the way that our products are delivered, the way that anything is delivered these days, it's instantaneous almost, you know, obviously Amazon's like overnight, uh, shipping with Amazon prime, you know, you can get food delivered to your doorstep. But, um, the thing with it is like, whether it's our physical or mental health, it's not delivered that way. We have to put in the work and that becomes difficult because we're conditioning ourselves, you know, on a daily basis to want instantaneous results. And so we need to reassess and reprioritize our uh, timeline of our healing, which is hard. I understand that completely because all, all I wanted to do was to not be afraid anymore. I wanted to not have this constant merry-go-round up and down, up and down, being fearful, not being able to leave my apartment, not being able to go anywhere in public without worrying about having a panic attack. And so the question for today was, how, how do I learn to deal with random panic attacks? And when they happen, 
when I'm not expecting them. And the first thing to know is that it's very common. Um, when you are in this habit and this situation that you're in with anxiety, stuff is going to pop up. Um, especially if you're really oversensitive at the time and not from a, an emotional standpoint, but oversensitivity in anxiety is like the closer you are to your last panic attack, the more likely you are, you're going to have another one. And that's just because you're hypersensitive, hypersensitive, not oversensitive, excuse me. So it's like uh, being sunburned. When you go back in the sun, the sun does not feel good. Well, when you've just had a panic attack, the last thing you want to do is put yourself in a situation where you might possibly have another one. <clears throat> excuse me. With uh, general anxiety, it, it's harder to define what our triggers are. Um, and they can simply just be the physical symptoms. I've given myself a panic attack by just feeling my heartbeat, <laughs> which is crazy to think about. Like, But you guys that have anxiety understand this. Like you feel your heartbeat, you're like, oh, there's something wrong with my heart. Oh, it's beating harder. It's beating harder. It's beating harder. And then your heart is like, oh, you want me to beat harder? Okay. And so it starts pounding harder. And then when your heartbeat, your heart rate goes up, you have these other physical sen sensations that trigger you into more panic. And it's kind of this spiral. So it's not necessarily any kind of situation. It's, it's your own thinking that um, creates that. And I was really good at doing that. And it became a habit. And so I would start, and I was just watching a movie at times, laying in my bed, and then I would feel my heartbeat, and then I'd have to go get my ice pack. So in my mind, I was like, okay, if my heart is cold, it's going to kind of slow down a little bit, and it won't pound like this, which, you know, it's it's uh, not true, but in my mind, that was what I was doing to be, or to survive the situation. And so, you know, panic that is surprising, we can't always... Um, negate that or avoid it. So what we need to do is create a contingency plan for when that does occur. You know, for me, it was box breathing. It was, um, I would take off my shoes. And I didn't care where I was at just cause I wanted to make sure I was taking care of myself. And, and side note, like who cares about what other people think about you right now? Your mental health is most important. What you're doing to heal is most important. Take everybody else's opinions and shove them to the side. Because if you do that, it's going to create this open space for you to do what you need to do to heal. I wish I would have done that a little bit sooner in my life. Um, I, I really don't have time for that right now just because what I'm doing is taking care of myself first because once I do that, everything else will fall in line. And I've, I've realized that time and time again. Uh, but what I didn't do is when I would have these surprise panic attacks is have a contingency plan um, because they would get really escalated. And once I started to carry this, you know, I think I had like three different versions of it. it was box breathing, you know, get grounded, which was taking off my shoes, walking in my socks or gripping carpet. And I would slide off my shoes in large, um, like classes or conferences that I had to go to for work. And I would just kind of grip the carpet with my feet. Um, I would also rub my, my thumbs on my fingertips just to kind of get that, um, sensation of presence in my mind, this is what worked for me. And this is going to be individualized. It's going to, it's not going to be exactly what I used to do. And then I would also take my, my fingertips and rub them on my kneecaps. And it was just more of a, um, you know, a physical sensation to say, okay, this is where I'm at. What I am feeling is in my mind. 
And so let me get back to what my body is actually feeling versus what I'm interpreting is going on. And it's amazing that you can convince yourself of so many different things. And, you know, I was talking to my son about this the other day. It's like, if you told yourself that you were a lemon a million times a day, and in in two weeks, you would believe that you were a lemon, your brain is going to believe what you tell it. But the magical part of it, the wonderful thing about it is that you're in control of that. It may not feel like it. And it may like, may feel like you're, you know, the subject of, um, bullying in your own mind, but we have that power. It's just, we've become in this, these, these people that have this habit of this negative spiral, this fearful spiral. And just like brushing your teeth before we know it, we just do it without thinking. We don't really, we just like, Oh, I know I have to brush my teeth. Well, you go into a situation, I know I have anxiety and all of a sudden it just pops up and it's there. And so developing a contingency plan that works best for you, um, what I suggest is writing down the top 10 things that bring you calm and peace and figure out certain kinds of situations that you know you get anxious in, which ones are going to work in that. And so um, the thing I, I really wanted to talk about is, is think of like um, someone that used to sculpture things out of like granite. Now, it takes a long time to create the piece of artwork. Uh, a sculptor will look at this rock that's unfinished and un, unsculpted and see something inside it. You have to see something inside yourself and know that you can do this. If I mean, just use me as an example. If I can get out of my apartment, get out from the shadows, get to a point where I didn't know what else I was going to do and almost wave the white flag, you can do this. Everything that you need to do this, you have. All the tools you need to sculpt your piece of artwork to heal, you already have. It's just we don't always believe that. I didn't believe it. But what we need to know is that that piece of artwork, that sculpture, is not going to be created unless we put in the work to chisel away the pieces of rock, to sand it down, to smooth it out. Each day, we need to take the task on of creating that for ourselves. And over time, we're going to wear that rock down, this hardened shell that we have of a life living in fear is going to be broken down. And over time, we're going to become a master sculptor within our own minds and know that in any situation, yeah, it may pop up. Yeah, it may terrify us and may be surprising, but we're going to have the skills necessary to knock it back down and get back to our healing piece of artwork. Now, if we don't take the time and we don't put in the work, our sculpture or our, um, yeah, our sculpture and our piece of artwork is only going to be so finished. And so we have to put in that work. We have to look at things from different angles. We have to gain knowledge. And the most important thing you can do right now is learn about yourself and gather information on what can help you find peace, find calm, and find some understanding of what is causing your fearful thoughts. You know, for me, it was physical health. My, my mind and body is, is very important because if I don't feel good physically, mentally, it's going to drag me down on top of the other stuff that I was going through. But physically, if I'm not feeling good, mentally, I'm not going to feel good. And so most important for me is taking care of my, my health, both physical and mental. 
um, in order to take care of my family, in order to kind of go down the line of things that I value in my life. And so what I had to do is change my lifestyle. You know, I had to quit drinking. I had to eat healthy. I had to walk the road or the path less traveled and blaze my own trail because everybody that I was friends with at the time wasn't taking care of themselves. They're out partying, they're going to bars, you know, eating fast food, eating appetizers and stuff that deep down I didn't value, but I was doing it because it was comfortable. I was doing it because everybody else was. It was my way to socialize, but it wasn't staying true to who I was. And so that picture that I saw in that rock that I had to chisel out didn't match my lifestyle. It didn't match the tone of my life. And so I had to completely change that, which I lost friends. You know, I had some of the people that I was hanging around, I don't have anymore. Best thing that ever happened to me because they were allowing me to not be true to myself. And that's not what a real friend does. A real friend calls you out and says, Hey, you know what you're doing is not cool, man. I know you, you're hurting yourself. What are you doing this for? And I've had people like that in my life, you know, as recent as three or four years ago that said, Hey, you know, maybe it's time to make some changes. Thankful, grateful that they did because where my life is today would not have happened if they didn't have that kind of conversation. Now you need to do that for yourself. You need to be like, Hey, and and you want to do this after you've taken some time to evaluate what the things are in your life that you value the most, because then that gives you your playing field. If something lies out of bounds of that, you can be like, well, I'm not going to do that. It's just an easy way to make decisions. It's like that lies outside my playing field. I'm not going to do it anymore. So when I get invited to a bar for me, it's like, well, is my wife coming with me? Is my, you know, my significant other coming with me? You know, is this for, what, what is the point of actually going? Now I do do it, but if it's just to go out to drink, like I don't drink, so it's kind of an easy no for me. But if it's out to like celebrate, where we're celebrating somebody's birthday or we're just celebrating an anniversary, or if it's date night, like this is something me and my wife are working on is trying to find time for a date night, then yeah, we're going to go out, you know, and my wife, I, I don't care if she drinks. You know, it's kind of fun when she drinks, she's a little goofy. But, you know, it's it, it just doesn't fall in line with what I want to do and doesn't fall in line with my own healing. Because as soon as I would go back, you know, floodgates would be open because what happens when you're hungover? You don't feel good. And if I don't feel good, my mind doesn't feel good. And so there's, there's just like a systematic way to look at this and approach this, that if any of the systems, you know, if any, like in your car, if you get a, um, a warning light, you got to go get it checked out. And so when you know yourself, when you have the information on how to heal, when you have information on if this, then this, especially for yourself, if I'm in this situation, then this is going to happen. When those warning lights come up, you know, you're like, okay, I need to avoid that situation. This is also the way that you can find your contingency plan. So when the, the stuff that pops up that surprises you, you can be like, oh, okay, well, I must have gotten this situation. I need to remember that when this happens, then this, so I can do this, 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 and this to help negate my anxiety. And so when you are um, evaluating yourself, you know, look at your values, look at your beliefs, look at your, um, the things you're passionate about. What are your skills? What is your expertise in? Now, I'm not someone that is a fan of um, quote unquote experts, especially when they call themselves that, but you're an expert on yourself. No one knows you better than you. So the expertise should lie in what your skills and expertise lie in, right? 
I would say that I have a lot of knowledge about anxiety, mainly about myself. And the podcast started with like, I, I just started sharing some information that was working for me with other people in my life. And it just grew into this thing that now I'm, how I have a podcast, you know, that has a lot of downloads every month. But point being is that I got to a point where I had to learn about myself. I had to create this situation, this plan, and it's, it's just this protocol that I do in each situation. So for one, um, an example, when I fly, I know that I have to get a little bit of a sedative. It's just the way it is. I'm claustrophobic. It's, I, it's not really something I can get around. It's just part of who I am now. So I know that. And so, you know, that's my trigger with flying is, okay, claustrophobia. I know that I need a little bit of a sedative to help me relax. Um, I need a crossword puzzle. I need movies on my iPad. I need noise-canceling headphones, and I can get through a flight, right? I used to take a sedative and drink, which I would just fall asleep, which really was avoiding the situation. I'm not learning how to cope with it. Um, if I And this hasn't happened for a while, but if I was in the flight and I got a little panicky, I would, re, you know, return to my box breathing or do my 30 and 2. Um, I would do 30 deep breaths and try to hold it for two minutes which I don't really do that anymore. I'm, I do breath work on a daily basis. So that one has kind of removed itself. And so I had that, that contingency plan for flying. Well, I can't really plan for the unexpected and say, okay, well, I need my sedative, which you can get something like a Buspar or lorazepam and you put it underneath your tongue and it helps you calm down in the moment. A best, a better bet is to take a cold shower if you're getting, you know, close to panicking because then you're not drowsy afterwards. You know, getting in a cold shower, your body prepares itself to go underwater and it's going to calm down all your systems. It's going to calm down your heart rate. It's going to calm down all those other things. Now you, you're, you're forced into presence as well. And so it's a faster way to negate a panic attack is just jumping in a cold shower or an ice bath or a cold pool or a lake, whatever you got close around you, you know, and obviously that's not something that is readily available, but you can go to a bathroom and throw cold water on your face. Or you could try to put your hands under cold water. And again, you know, for, for women, like if you're wearing makeup, but you can't throw water on your face at work, I mean, then you got to redo all your makeup. But it's just things like that, thinking like that, is having tons of options in every situation, is arming, your, arming yourself with knowledge, being prepared for the unexpected. And once I started to gather a few of these that worked, my anxiety didn't go away but I was learning a new habit of management. And that's how I want you to look at your anxiety and your healing is figuring out a skill and a new habit. A contingency plan is the same thing as learning to manage your anxiety. Because when you go into situations, there's going to be times where it just pops up. And you don't have, have any idea why it happens to me when I wake up in the middle of the night, I don't remember my dreams really, but I can tell if I've had an intense one because I'm cranked up. I'm anxious. I'm like, and as a kid, I had really bad um, nightmares and night terrors. And so sometimes I wake up in a panic state. And so what I can do is I start rubbing my feet together and I put my, my hand on my belly button and make sure it's going up and down and I'm not breathing up in my chest. When I'm breathing up in my chest, I get tight, which creates, creates a little bit more physical sensation, which makes me more anxious, which just kind of starts a spiral. And so I know I'm like, if I'm breathing in my chest, I got to get back into my stomach. So I watch and make sure that my, my belly button's going up and my belly button's going down as I breathe in and out. And then I do my fingers where I kind of rub my fingers together. 
And then it's more so of just saying, okay, it was just panic. There's nothing wrong. And it, it's faster for me now. But at the back in the day when that would happen, it would be a full going, full blown panic attack. And so I would get up and do a cold shower and then come back into bed. Um, and again, that was just my contingency plan that evolved over time. And so there's like two or three things that I can do now that can allow me to get back to sleep. Um, and for me, it's more, more so like the, the fact that I can know that I can calm myself down is very empowering. It's like when you're walking around and the people that take sedatives know this, even if you just have one in your pocket, you know that if something happens, you are more safe, quote unquote. You know, and so you're less fearful because you know you have something to go to. Well, this is where that skill development and the habits come into, into effect is that I know myself well enough that in any situation, I'm going to be able to calm myself down. You know, heaven forbid something happens to one of my kids. You know, of course, I'm going to allow myself to feel emotion, but the panic that I would have felt 10 years ago is probably not going to be the same. There's going to be some panic because you have to allow yourself to feel emotion and you can't become robotic and, and numb to life situations. Um, and one of my therapists told me once upon a time, he's like, you can't um, pick out an emotion to numb because once you numb one, you numb the others. And this was reinforced when I was listening to Brene Brown. And it was like, you try to numb fear, you're going to numb joy. You're going to numb, you know, um, numb happiness. You're going to... You know, it's, you can't be selective in what you try to get rid of. And that might be where the point in your life is that it's broken. Is like, you're trying to numb fear. You're trying to get rid of fear. Maybe don't get rid of it. Maybe embrace it, which seems counterintuitive. Well, when I started to allow myself to take trips, to fly, to do MRIs, and I, I've, I got to a point where I didn't have to get put under and heavily sedated. Well, I just, I, I took sedatives, but I was awake and it was a victory and I celebrated that victory. And it was like these little baby steps to get to where I wanted to be, which is just like the little chisel marks that you make on that artwork of what in your mind is actual healing. And so another thing I want you to do and getting back to the, the metaphor of the, the sculpting, what does that piece of artwork look like for you? What does your ideal life look like for you? Because once you figure that out, you can reverse engineer it back to the point you're at today. Now, it doesn't have to be detailed. It doesn't have to be super clear, but you can kind of work your, like if you have a target to shoot at, you're more than likely going to hit it versus just kind of navigating these waters, swimming in a direction. Well, what that piece of artwork that you see in your head, that vision of where you want to be in these troubled waters and these waves that are crashing over you in fear that is your lighthouse. That tells you which direction to go to. You're going to have to swim like hell pretty much every day, but it can be done. You can get to shore. I promise you it can be done. So start with the daily practice of learning about yourself. Like I've said before, knowledge is going to be power. Consistency is going to be your power and allowing yourself some freedom to try things, make a mistake, try them again, make another mistake, evaluate, try again, develop these contingency plans for different situations that you know you're going to need. And little by little, 
piece by piece, chisel by chisel, you're going to get to that point where you're living this life that is a beautiful piece of art. That is my hope for you, is that you take some time to create this vision of where you want your life to go and start heading in that direction full speed. Everything in your life you want to gather information and head in this direction as fast as you can and allow yourself to do it and be terrified anyways because that's bravery. People with anxiety are the bravest people that you will meet because they're functioning through life in spite of their anxiety. And sometimes no one knows. People are shocked when they find out how bad my anxiety was. People that have known me for years are like, really? I never knew. Well, I got good at hiding it. But I was not benefiting from hiding. I was only prolonging my suffering. So take some time. Please holler if you got any questions on how to do this. I've talked about this on a few episodes, but start with your purpose. Well, your excuse me. Start with your skills. Start with your interests. Start with your values. And start with your expertise. Where all that overlaps is going to be your life purpose. But the side benefit and the more important benefit is you're going to know yourself well enough to in different situations that you're going to be able to mitigate your anxiety. That's what happens when you learn about yourself. If I do this, then I'm going to feel this. If this comes up, I'm going to feel this way. If this comes up, I'm going to be able to do this. If this comes up, I'm going to be able to manage it this way. And so there's your knowledge. So happy sculpting, people. But please keep coming back. We're going to figure this out, I promise. We'll see you later.